0: another episode of small chops podcast y'all welcome welcome back uh it's been a crazy week uh prayers and condolences to everybody that's in texas going through an unspeakable or like a very very unfortunate situation it's it's humbling when you're reminded how quickly things can be taken away from you it's really it's really uh i don't know it feels really solemn to remember that like Yeah, you're in the States, yeah, you have access to all these different things, but it's only as far as someone allows you to have access to those things, right? So having a privatized power grid who that's intentionally siphoning power from one area to make sure that another area has power versus, you know, putting the grid at risk and instead of lives, right? I think what I've heard was the, the grid was at risk if all of the, if the entire grid was enabled, then uh, there would be you know there could be issues that affect the entire cities or however many people are, are being affected by this by the specific power grids. And to have a privatized company pick and choose who they want to have power and not is uh, <laughs> it feels like it's the story as usual, right? Nothing should be surprising here. Uh, but still, it, it seems to be a lot of people that aren't seeing this for what it is. And my prayers and condolences are definitely going out to you all. I'm, I'm hoping that uh, power is returned sooner than later. Uh, I'm hoping that the snow melts as quickly as humanly possible. Uh, because one, two days that we uh, experience in the Pacific Northwest is enough. But to have five days to, to, to be forced to live in a hotel if you can afford it. Um, to have warming centers that won't let you spend the night so you can get warm you can stay around but you have to leave Uh, and and to have grocery stores still making people stand outside because uh, they want to make sure that they that they don't get fined for you know having too many people inside of their establishment like this and this is really ridiculous this is this is the world we live in and I just really hope that we are all keeping our eyes open and seeing how being so heavily reliant on a system may, you know, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Uh, it's, it's up for you to decide. It's up for you to choose. But uh, let's all keep our let's all keep our eyes open. Let's all make sure that even if we're not actively doing something, that we are uh, reaching out for the information that's necessary to make sure that we are uh, up to date, right? Right. Um, And like some of the people that were saying in a couple of the videos that I've watched, it could happen anywhere. Uh, It feels like a test for some people. This feels like a, you know, worst case scenario, what would happen? How would people react? And and we're seeing firsthand that it's just a bunch of, anyway. On a lighter note, uh, we're making this episode about the only thing that we have to talk about here, love and relationships and how it can be done better how we can actively uh, be a part of the improved lives that we want to live. And today's episode is not gonna be any different from, from the others, and uh, but this is gonna be an episode that I guess I'm targeting myself and what I've been the perpetrator of, right? The behaviors that I knowingly or unknowingly engaged in and that led to unsuccessful either um, conflicts, arguments and Uh, at the end relationships and uh, it was it was really it was really eye-opening being able to get some of this information. Uh, John Gottman is the uh, is the person that I the researcher that I researched (laughs) I researched the researcher and some of the information that was uh, delineated through some of his writings and, and lectures just really smacked me in the face you know um, and particularly just you know randomly stonewalling. And I'm going to get into that a little later, but for now, uh, I want to talk about how John describes relationships and what are the key components of successful relationships. He calls them master and disaster relationships. And before uh, I get started with this, he starts off a lot of his writings and lectures talking about how he was having a bad time with women, um, and he didn't really know he just knew that whatever he was doing wasn't working. Whatever, uh, whatever concepts he had about women, whatever habits he had when en- engaging with women, and whatever notions he had as far as how he wanted these relationships to progress, uh, they weren't effective, or the, his actions weren't contributing to uh, the relationships that he wanted. So he took a, he took a stab at really kind of breaking down love. He took a stab at trying to understand it from a scientific point of view, uh, break it down into quantifiable parts, and to see what his participation is and where he could improve. There's something really valuable about knowing that you don't know about a topic, right? Uh, I, I approach love with this ignorance because I didn't have examples, and I know that me being left to my own devices isn't going to contribute to the uh, to the relationships I want in my life, really. Like, I know I have work to do, but I have no idea in what aspect or what part of my relationship I would need that, uh, those upgrades or those updates. And, you know, far be it for yeah, your exes to be uh, kind enough to provide you some feedback after, after your situationships or whatever, but uh, that wasn't going to be a viable resource for understanding. And so reaching out to uh, someone who was in the same boat as me but had a little bit more materials and uh, Bob Levinson was a friend of his that engaged with him as well and, and tried to create a uh, a scientific laboratory about love and uh, relationships. They went from putting monitors on people's hearts, uh, putting monitors on blood flow, checking to see respiration, you know, pupil dilation, Uh, heartbeats increase and things like that whenever you're having conversations. And just, uh, there were a lot of really, really interesting uh, research, which researches, there was much research that was done, which was super interesting. And uh, if you want to research more, John Gottman, G-O-T-T-M-A-N, is the person that I can't wait to uh, dive into more, dive into more of and and really be able to uh, relay the information that I learned therein. Uh, one of the things that he uh, talked about was not having an example of of a positive or any uh, love in his life and that one that really resonated with me um, simply because not not knowing that you you know not knowing and then trying to figure it out uh, by just but not carefully taking the steps necessary for uh, to reduce the amount of pain either caused or experienced was not my first reaction I was just kind of shoved into yeah I want I want passion I want uh, companionship I want physical activity so let me kind of look around me and what the people around me are doing uh what's offered to me in media and on um, all the different you know channels that I can view Boy Meets World was a huge had a huge role and impact in my life when it comes to uh, looking for the person that you want or you know finding the person that you want and trying to make them understand or value you in the same way. Didn't really have much luck with that. And uh, because of that, I've been able to come back to love in a very humble fashion, right? I know that I know not. I know that whatever I whatever I thought was working isn't. Whatever, uh, whatever I've learned uh, definitely needs to be re-examined and updated. So these were all really helpful in Uh, absorbing some of the information that John had to offer one of the personal experiences I had uh, when he talks about uh, John spoke briefly about some of the things that people do to I don't know like grow your relationship right Uh, some of the uh, not not necessarily important aspects or you know not priorities but they're still very very useful and I call that like relationship fodder right in order to in order to create your garden, in order for it to grow in the way that you want it to grow, um, that fodder needs to be there uh, to you know, to be able to provide nutrients to the seeds that are in there, be able to keep the moisture inside of the, bu- the garden and, and things like that. So uh, one of the things that I kind of missed the mark on was when I was in a relationship, I remember we lived together and me and my partner would come home and the first thing that she would want to talk about was just kind of like what went on in her day, you know? Uh, who she was with or, you know, the people that came into our office and, you know, the interactions that they had. And for me, I couldn't find value in engaging with that information, right? It just felt like someone was talking at me. It felt like, you know, putting more information on me that I don't really need to have because it's not going to impact uh, either one of our lives. I don't know if that was egoic or whatever, but I genuinely wanted to have dialogue with my partner, but not dialogue about like the... The unimportant things that went on in our day, right? The things that went on, you know, whatever you had for lunch, or who pissed you off, or um, who you're no longer cool with, or things like that. Just it, it didn't. I didn't find value in it, um, and I ignored the fact that my partner wasn't looking to actually give me that information. They were just looking to share. They were just looking to share um, whatever was going on in their lives, and they were hoping that I did the same. Um, I didn't return it in kind. If there was something that was really specifically interesting about my day, I would absolutely like write it down and hold it. And I would come to my partner about it and I'll talk about it for, you know, 10, 15 minutes or something like that. But, and we would engage, but I would, you know, in my mind, I was hoping that we would engage in something that we were both interested in. Uh, Lo and behold, I learned later on that a lot of the things that I brought to our, our conversations after work, she wasn't necessarily interested in. She didn't really wanna know about, you know, this technology or what's going on here or there. And uh, that was really humbling for me. I, you know, I, I I tried to make an effort to provide her with something that she would want to listen to and in hopes that she would do the same for me. <laughs> uh, and that wasn't always so, but I guess that wasn't received in a way to convey, yo, I want to be interested in what you have to talk about more than this. So uh, that relationship fodder was something that, I understand much more now. I understand how necessary it is for certain partners, and um, you know, there's some people who, of course, love their silence, love being able to sit with their partner and and not have to talk. But uh, there are other partners who need that, who need that chat, who need that uh, that attention, um, because that creates those bonds and that strengthens those bonds, right? And you see this all the time. Whenever people are really close, that chit chat, you know, is is part of just you know growing those lives together. And I definitely missed the mark on that. And uh, just, yeah, a little personal experience for me. From my research on uh, Dr. John Gottman was absolutely about how ineffective I was with conflict and conflict resolution. And that wasn't just in relationships, you know what I mean? That was at home, that was at school. Many times I was at work. It was not uh, a topic in life or a subject matter that I had expertise in, or I, I kept on having, I kept on reacting the same way. So having the same results and um, really starting to understand how ineffective my communication was during conflict, uh, how ineffective my empathy was during conflict and uh, my intentions, how misconstrued my intentions were and i was the source of a lot of conflict because of all sorts of reasons you know what i mean someone not feeling uh, adequate enough or someone feeling that i'm picking on them a, a lot there's just so many different uh there's so many different uh reasons that i failed in relationships because i was not mature enough to handle conflict in a better way and when i say mature i say not only you know what i mean like in a in a literal, like feelings way and being able to manage my feelings. But also, I was was ignorant. I didn't have the information I needed to be a better partner that could resolve conflict. Because at the end of the day, conflict is a method of loving your partner better. Only through conflict almost. I would say, yeah, only through conflict. No, I'll disagree with that. Not only through conflict, but conflict is a great, great, great way of creating faster bonds with your partner. Yeah, you can go on trips. Yeah, you can go on vacations. Yeah, you can go you know, camping, um, nice dinners and all these different things and those definitely assuage and make uh, those bonds stronger. But really coming, really getting through a conflict, I think that that has much more potency uh, when it comes to uh, developing those relationship bonds. And that's something that I really missed out on um, with my siblings with my parents, it, isn't, it just hasn't been a strong suit. And uh, I understand how behind the ball I was here. Um, when speaking about the two types of relationships, the master and disaster relationships, John spoke about how effective um, the masters were when it came to conflicts. Uh, specifically, they were a lot more gentle with each other. They were a lot more attentive to not only the conflict but how they were presenting themselves when discussing the conflict. So personally, whenever I have a conflict that I need to bring up, I'll get super stern. I'll get super stoic. Um, you really lose for me a lot of the uh, a lot of the conversational. I don't even know what to call those things. Cues. A lot of the conversational cues that I engage with, whether it's nodding my head, whether it's eye contact. Um, giving a, the, the you know giving a yes or a mm-hmm or understand every once in a while these points are out of the window when it comes to conflict uh, for two reasons for me personally one is because I really want to understand I really want to make sure that I'm taking in all that you are saying as well as demonstrating uh, so I don't want to get in my own way right so that comes from a real genuine place of wanting to yeah like communicate effectively. Uh, but I was missing out on the fact that my communication was not being perceived in a positive light and it looked like I was being a lot more um, divisive uh, with my method of 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 listening and and I understand that as well. Uh, I understand that I was definitely I am definitely guilty of stonewalling and what stonewalling was defined as it's It's basically, I'm here and I'm present, but I haven't provided you any of those affirming behaviors, like I just mentioned previously, that eye contact, the nodding, the facial expressions, the "Mm mm-hmm, and this comes from a desire not to make things worse, right? If you're bringing something to me, especially if it's a critique of me, if my partner is bringing a critique of me, I get really serious, but I also am not reactive. I'm not the one that's going to try to defend it uh, automatically. I'm really going to kind of make make myself smaller, I guess, but really put myself in almost in a standby mode to make sure that I'm receiving all that my partner has. And that isn't received well. (laughs) Surprise, surprise, right? Um, That isn't something that I'm proud of, but I know now that I didn't do that effectively, right? So being able to maintain that eye contact really, cause you know, sometimes I'll look down and I'll turn my ear towards the person so I can really make sure that I'm getting all that information and not get distracted by looking at them or looking anywhere else. Uh, typically it's eyes either closed or to the ground and full attention on my ears to make sure that I'm really taking in what my partner is saying. Uh, but that does not demonstrate uh, an effective listener because listening is, both listening and responding, whether it's verbally or non-verbally. The cues that I was giving off to my partner um, exacerbated a lot of the issues that we were having, whether it's they didn't feel like I was um, listening enough or they didn't feel like I was really um, not taking it personally or uh, really kind of being with them in that moment because I may not be the the most comfortable person to bring up conflict issue or conflicting issues with. So I... um, Wow, I was really I was really blown away by that critique of what I do. And again, it comes from a genuine place. It comes from a place of not wanting to react. It comes from a place of not wanting to exacerbate their issue, especially if they are already in a heated state, and maybe I did something that I was told not to do or asked not to do previously, and they're frustrated. And for me, that silence or that you know, making yourself uh, subserv- subservient, subsequent, you know what I mean? Like not, not being in myself, you know what I'm saying? Like not being the, bra- the, bra- the, bra- the bravado or um, I don't know, I don't know what to call that, but really kind of showing a solemnity whenever that person is talking, especially when it's something that I very obviously, you know, messed up with. And that doesn't make anything better. Um, it is an attempt to self-soothe. It's an attempt to calm me down, um, because, like I said, you know, taking having having uh, someone critique me doesn't always feel good. Um, but if it's helpful, I absolutely will take it with a grain of salt, and looking to really kind of uh, make that person feel okay about the information that they had to share with me. I may not be able to do it in the moment, and that's something I can absolutely improve upon. But that intention or that desire. Uh, to make them know that I am you know fully engaged and concentrating uh, can look a little different and that was that was a huge moment for me. I'm also really bad at critiques. I guess that's that's kind of how I grew up. you know what I mean like that is that is a love that was shown to me. Uh, the desire to make you as flawless as possible, so it's almost like a, a stonesmith with, with, a, with a chisel. And they're really kind of like trying to chip away at all of those imperfections to be able to present something that we all can be proud of, right? Not only that the, not only that the, the, no, the, the marble statue or the demonstration of art is going to be impre- impeccable, but also the, the effort putting towards that. You know, the person that is taking those away is hopefully a person that knows uh, enough to show that person. Uh, and I didn't get shown um, positive love a lot. And I don't think I, and, and in turn, I don't think I, I demonstrate that to partners, right? Uh, I can be, yeah, I can be harsh. And I know that I also cannot be, you know what I mean? So it's not like I'm just harsh and I I just need a better way of communicating the things that I, that I like or that I would like. And also just kind of, you know, providing grace. Uh, not focusing on the things that I want to change, but instead focusing on the things that I do enjoy. Uh, that positive reinforcement goes a long way when it comes to uh, eradicating some of the things that you know you may not vibe with or you may not enjoy. Uh, but also what, that, what those constant critiques create is contempt. And contempt is coming from a place of superiority when communicating with your partner. Personally, the superiority doesn't come from I'm a better person than you or I'm I'm living better than you. It's more from, again, another genuine place of, yo, I've taken the time to really think about this and to find the most uh, the most efficient way to accomplish X, Y, and Z. So a great example is being able to provide uh, directions for a partner, right? So let's say I need somebody, I need my partner to go down to the grocery store and to blah, 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 X, Y, and Z. Uh, instead of being able to provide being able to let them choose which way that they want to do it, I look for the most efficient way. And so I will say, hey, I think it's a great idea to go X, Y, and Z simply because you'll save time. And, you know, this is the quickest way. I've tested it several times. I've come back this way, gone back that way. And in many cases, that can be taken as, okay, yeah, he's just looking out for my benefit. But in certain cases where you have a partner that's already a little on edge or hyper- hyper vigilant about my critiques this critique may not be taken this may be taken as a critique this may be taken as a yo i'm telling you what to do i know better so you should do it this way and in many times it's not that at all i'm sure that there are situations where it is but there are definitely definitely many more situations where it's just the more efficient way of doing something right um unplugging your electronics when they're at 100 percent so you don't kill your battery Uh, keeping your laptop off of substance or off of uh materials that absorb heat because that's going to deteriorate your battery as well and overheat your computer these are all things that I, i i i suggest um from a loving place but i understand that with a history of critiques something like that will be taken as a critique as well and man that was humbling and i as much as I want to reach out to people that i've had that I've had relations with in the past and apologize and do this and say that it it is what it is, and you know with some people that with some of the people I'm close with, I'm happy to still do that but um I just hope that i i, I hope I know that with this understanding uh with this education that these will be uh, issues that no longer will exist, right these will be things that I can genuinely eradicate from my habits, especially when I can put myself in the point of view of the other. And that's something that I have struggled with in the past as well. When it comes to these relationships, it's really difficult for me to to come to terms with the fact that pain and, and disappointment is inevitable. These things will happen, and I try my best to reduce that as much as possible in relationships. And I've noticed that In in many of my relationships, there's a lot of conflict in the beginning. And in my mind, I justify that because these are two worlds that are trying to come together. So let's let's bring attention or let us point out the things that may not gel between these two worlds so that we don't have to come and talk about these things six months, two years, five years down the line. Instead, let's just say, yo, you know what? Your shoes should be taken off when you get inside. That's just one of the things that I, that I enjoy. But also, I'm not going to yell at you for not doing it. I'm going to notice it. And if that's not something you're comfortable with, for whatever reason, these are conversations that need to happen. Um, but in my mind, again, I am coming from a place of, yo, let me lessen, let me reduce as many conflicting areas as possible in the beginning. Not taking into account that in the beginning, those bonds are not strong. those relational bonds have not have not been made. Uh, those desires uh, pa- beyond the physical may not exist, right? So someone really wanting to be invested in and someone wanting to invest in the other, uh, that takes time that takes uh, that takes relationship capital, that takes time capital. that takes uh, a lot of forgiveness, a lot of grace. and I'm still not really sure how to bring those things into a relationship. Especially when you hear from so many people that are in relationships for so much longer, and you hear this all the time, don't sweat the small stuff, right? Do not sweat the little things, because at the end of the day, your relationship is gonna be so much stronger for either ignoring them or providing the grace to let your partner be who they are with you and be genuinely comfortable with you. Once you have that, I guess, solidified, or once that's a little bit more Maintained, um, maybe there's space to ask for you know some changes of behavior. I think about it when it comes to like telling somebody your name. If I tell somebody my name is Oba, and they tell me, oh, "Okay, yeah, Uba, what's up, man?" And so I go with Uba because yo, at the end of the day, it's my name. They almost got it right. It's not that serious. Uh, eventually, uh, two months, six months pass by, and they're still calling me Uba. And now I've, it's gotten to a place where other people are starting to notice that like, yo, why is he calling you that? And then you know, that, bring, that, that attention being brought to it's gonna create a little bit of annoyance with you as well. So when I do approach that person and say, hey, you know what? You have been calling me the wrong name for the last couple of months. Wasn't really a big deal, but I would love for you to adjust that. How much more difficult will it be for that person to adjust something that they have a habit in doing, right? So they've been calling me this name for six months. I'm gonna give them enough grace to, you know, call me that name again, and hopefully correct themselves or offer a couple of corrections. But now I've created a space of discomfort in my mind. I've created something that somebody has a responsibility to do, and now they are going to be more uncomfortable. I imagine because once they make that mistake a couple of times, then they're, it's almost like they're not even going to want to use my name, right? It's like it's like they're 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 building a. Um, they're building a. Something that just makes them not enjoy that critique or enjoy saying my name so that they say it less. And in my mind, that, that creates more of a divide, right? That creates an issue with somebody that didn't have an issue before, right? But to avoid that, avoid all that um, second guessing that person may be doing, to avoid my having to correct them you know, for a couple of times possibly, that could have been done from Jump Street. So the first or second time that person called me Uba, I could have absolutely corrected them, say, "Hey, you know what? Like, let's 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 nip this in the bud now, and move forward amicably." Uh, but I don't know how to how to resolve that when it comes to relationships, right? Because on one hand, those bonds really need to be made and made stronger, and that confidence needs to be had in both parties. That yo, we're here for each other. We're here to create this whatever, whatever. And for that to be something that creates an issue, I don't know. Uh, More research needs to be done on my part for sure. I am not the person that is going to harbor feelings. You know what I mean? Like I can't keep feelings inside if you'll you'll see it written on my face. And so it it really has to be an internal change. It really has to be a a repositioning of my vision and of what uh, I want to build. And Dr. Gottman suggests building a culture of appreciation and looking for what's right versus looking for mistakes. Pointing out mistakes does not make them disappear. Uh, and I'm learning this in real time. Pointing out mistakes, does, it, it creates nervousness, it creates a lack of confidence, and both of those are much more likely to create more mistakes. And instead, creating a, like I said, a culture of appreciation encouraging what the things that I value and and the others and not even paying attention to the things that I don't, right? Because we're all sensible creatures. Someone that really cares about you, someone that sees you, someone that knows you, they'll eventually pick up on the things that you don't like, right? Just like an animal will do the same. Positive reinforcement really works to not only empower the person or animal to do the things that they want to do and do the things that you like, but also gives them Enough wherewithal to start paying attention to the things that they do that may not be so favorable, and uh, it gives them the option to either, you know, curb those behaviors or you know, creates a dialogue about why those behaviors or the the feedback that those behaviors are garnering. There's a lot that can happen right there, and uh, I really appreciate that re- you know redirection. It's funny because I'm that's I'm no stranger to positive reinforcement. I think that's something that I've used to train many dogs as well as Many dog trainers and positive reinforcement works wonders. It is, it's, it's great for not only the mentality of both partners, but for your overall mentality of just like seeing the rest of the world. I really, I really dig positive reinforcement and really knowing that I have to institute that in my own life and relationships is really helpful. After you, you know, you start focusing on the positive things in your relationships and uh, what you love about your partner and what you really enjoy about the partnership that you're creating, conflict is still bound to happen. And when we're moving past the conflict, right, we've said our pieces. I know where you stand, you know where I stand. Uh, we may not be in the best of moods right now, but we got past it. You still know that you know, I'm not leaving the relationship or, you know, you're not going to go step out and things like that. Uh, One thing that I totally am blind to is bids for attention, right? So once you and I have that conflict and we're both sitting in the room because we choose to still be around each other instead of like looking for an escape, I just might be a little bit more quiet, right? I'll be a little bit more reserved and I'll be to myself. And then my partner will go, oh, hey, you know what, here's a dope joke. Two, two rhinos and a rhinoplasty surgeon walk into a bar. And so that is an obvious bid for attention. This is a person that is looking to engage in their partner. And not only that, but they're looking to lighten the, lighten the mood. Um, they're looking to just give their partner something. And when that, when that happens, um, typically you have three responses. The first response is, you know, turning towards, all right, yeah, they walk into a bar, and then what? And uh, the second response is turning away, and it's like, you know, whatever I was doing, if I was in my phone, if I was reading a book, if I was, you know, closing my eyes and just kind of like laying back, then I would continue doing that, reading my book, you know, playing on my phone, closing my eyes, and I'll be like, "Mm mm-hmm, yeah, yeah, let me, yeah, uh uh-huh, I'm listening. And that is, that is considered turning away. You're not fully engaged with your partner, um, but you acknowledge your partner and what they're doing. So that doesn't create as, as many positive bonding experiences after the conflict, but it's, you know, some people do it, and I'm definitely, you know, one that does that as well. I'm also guilty of turning against. I'm also guilty of, like, yo, you know what? I'm on the phone right now, or... Yo, this book is really interesting to me or you i gotta listen to this podcast or you i gotta I, i'll come up with all sorts of reasons to remain unengaged with my partner and that's only exacerbates the issues and those bids for attention often come in my life because i was you know from from being young uh, i was in a household where even in even when injustices were done towards me right let's say that uh, when you're growing up in a single parent household, not many people that vie for you. There are not many people advocating for you. So when you feel like you were treated unfairly, not really too many things you can do. And what I ignored was sometimes my parent would acknowledge that they wronged me, but they would acknowledge it with a mature conversation. We wouldn't acknowledge it as a, hey, let's sit down. Let's talk about the conflict that we had. Let's talk about our points of view and move forward it would be a bid for attention. It would be a, you know, what channel was that show that you told me to watch? Or, um, hey, you know, it, it'll just be something small, something random. And to me, it was totally crazy. To me, it was, you know, we have this issue, you know, I feel cheated, or I feel that, you know, an injustice was done to me yet you want to move past it and just, you know, have this, that, and the third instead, I never looked at it as a bid for attention to be able to create a a better or more healthy environment for that dialogue to happen. I was really turned against, very rarely turned away, but I was turned against trying to help um, open up those bonds of communication if it wasn't to talk about the specific topic that I wanted to talk about. And that was really selfish. I wasn't acknowledging the fact that the other person may not have the best conflict resolution skills. Um, maybe they don't know how to be remorseful or, or, or apologetic to someone that is, you know, looked at as uh, a subservient person, you know I mean? Like a child in many West African cultures so those those bids were were constantly rejected by me and they only made things worse uh those several bids could be uh again to try to create dialogue to resolve an issue or resolve a conflict that that came about because of another conflict um or it could just be because your partner is looking for attention your partner is is nonverbally requesting a little bit of conversation from you uh, a little bit of that relationship fodder right uh, they may need some emotional support. They may need some verbal affection. Just a way for my partner to 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 engage with me. And knowing how, knowing these things really leads to reminding me about the friendships in relationships. And so many of my relationships, my best relationships have started from friendships. My favorite ones have started with just like, yo, I didn't even know that we could like each other like this. Let's try it. And they were fantastic. Others, fantastic relationships where, no, I want you i don't want to grow with you i want you for myself i want to be able to be the x y and z in your life Uh, those relationships worked really well as well but there were a lot more issues when it came to uh, the lack of communication when it really mattered during those moments of conflict and knowing how your partner reacts is based off of knowing your partner is based off of not just the the romantic partner that you have but also the friendship that you're creating and the capacity to know uh, that friendship is directly related to the capacity to know how to resolve the issues with your with your partner, uh, how your partner is likely to react, how you can change some of the um, actions or some of the strategies that you may have when you know when relating with your partner. Uh, issues in relationships become personal attacks instead of perspectives, uh, instead of perspectives, because that partner may be feeling negative, right? So that issue or that you know. Yo, why, yo, why is the dustbin looking like this or are these are these plates dry? Let's like put them away or like yo, could you turn that TV down a little bit? Like all of these become so much worse when that partner feels like they have to be hypervigilant because they are constantly being critiqued or because that conflict was not properly resolved. Maybe they didn't feel heard, they didn't feel like, you know, that empathy was there. There's so many reasons for that for that to happen. And uh, this note that I took specifically was working on friendships on the friendship for the relationship creates that capacity for knowing so when one person says something irritably they're not likely to disturb the positivity of the relationship right so for example when you see that you know when we've had a great day you know when when we woke up early you know we both got done what we needed to do like we've just had a really good day and for whatever reason, in my life, maybe you know, a coworker or a boss kind of like pissed me off, and I come home and I'm a little irritable, I'm a little short, and I say something to my partner, or I answer a question, or I get irritated about something that my partner does, my partner is a lot less likely to get as irritated as I am because they recognize that I'm coming from a place of irritability from something that is outside of our relationship. And with that understanding, That sympathy really comes into play, and really, uh, that partner can try to understand or to even make that situation um, or improve that situation, or especially bring light to the fact, like, hey, you know what? You don't, you know, don't be mean to me right now. You might have had, you might, you might have had a bad day, but I feel like you're you're turning that energy towards me, and I don't appreciate that. Like that will, for me, I can understand how that can really snap somebody out of it, right? That can really Create an quite an awareness that somebody can choose to move away from uh, that negativity into something, even if it's not strictly positively, it's something a lot more neutral. First, that apology, then that recognition, and then moving away from that. And maybe you know, yo, just give me some, just give me some time. Let me kind of blow off steam. Let me go over here. Let me take a run. Let me take a walk. Let me do some exercise. Any any of the things that that help you kind of like work through, power through your frustration. Um, uh, that partner is helping you with that because of the because of the relationship bank account that you have, because that 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 account is so much full is so full of positivity, that that little bit of negativity, that that withdrawal, that debit from the account, isn't going to be seen too much. It's not going to affect the overall balance of the account because it's so much more in the in the in the black in the positive. And working on friendship. And anything else doesn't work. Whenever you're in that really kind of like toxic place, and it's really, uh, it's 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 a wonder to recognize. It's a wonder to have a partner that is patient enough with you. It's a, it's a wonder to have that relationship equity uh, to be able to identify when your partner is having a bad day, or um, not, or not to take it personally. Right? Taking all these. Oh man, not taking it personally. That is something that I definitely can learn from because there was a lot of issues in my life that I internalized unknowingly and knowingly many times. And that made me ill-prepared to deal with conflict in my personal relationships. And that's one thing that I know uh, I'm going to be better at moving forward. This episode was really internal. I really wanted to talk about some of the things that I struggled with, because if I ever have a partner that starts listening to this podcast, I want you to be aware of what Uh, my shortcomings are and what I recognize as things that I can improve upon because none of us are perfect and we all understand that there's a lot of work to do especially when you're living a life that you want to share with another person Uh, I absolutely suggest that you reach out uh, that you uh, explore some of Dr. Gottman's research really really interesting I believe his wife's name his wife's name is Linda Gottman and they both uh, came together to create the Gottman Institute where so many more relationship quandaries and exercises have been have been uh, undertaken for the betterment of those of us that really want a healthier relationship as always uh, contact me at effable e f f a b l on twitter instagram is effabl.co. so is the website where you'll find this and all of my other podcasts i appreciate you so much for listening Hopefully this was as insightful to you as it was for me. And let me know what you think. I drop a comment. Uh, send me a DM. I'm always here to, to listen. And uh, I can't wait to provide another episode for you this week. Take care. This is Small Chops, y'all.